In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Never develop an emotional connection to the person of the opposite sex. Period. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. From Men in the Arena, it's Equipping Men in 10. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Equipping Men in 10. I'm Jim Ramos. And I'm here with my producer, Dale Culver. How you doing, man? What is going on? Oh, I'm just hanging out with you today. It's a beautiful one. So give us a give us a, an update on the push-up challenge. How are you doing? You I'm doing still good? doing good. Still in there? I'm yep. still in there. My desire is that of the 380-plus men that have signed up, I shouldn't say men. There are women. There are some kids involved there. Uh, but of the 380-plus that we know of, if we have... 230 finish. I know that sounds like a low number, but I just know how things are typically. That will be 15 million push-ups, which was which is my goal for how many people we will reach in the next 10 years. Hey guys, uh today I want to talk to you guys about the 17th quality out of the 20 qualities of the full capacity man. Now, I've been telling you this book is coming out Father's Day, but I'm pushing it back to the fall. I've got to cut about 30,000 words out of it, and so we already got to do some editing. So uh, I, I can't produce a, a book that will reach a million men unless we change some things, and so we're going to go through some editing stuff. I still want to walk you through all 20 of these qualities. This is outstanding stuff, but before we do, Dale, do you have a man word for me today? Yeah, and I'm thinking about this. We've talked a lot about you guys being the hero in your story, Yeah. and, and earlier today I was sitting here thinking about this. And I, I just want to throw this challenge out, and this is my man word. It is cape. And I want to – I know it's a beautiful one. You think, how Make sure when you shoot a big buck, you cape that animal first. Right. With a very small, sharp knife to get through the eyelids. you know, got to get around the eyelids and the nose. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just thinking, when we get up in the morning, men, we should be like figuratively – imagining ourselves putting the cape on because we are to be the hero of our family. We are to get up, love our family well, take care of them, and you don't take that cape off until you go to bed at night. But you're like, you are the hero, dude. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, super dad, it's time to step up and get after it all day long. See, that is a, that man, cool. that, that is a man word from a guy who's raising a little boy. Yeah. That is a great man word. That might be... 
your greatest man word of I all time. I was pretty inspired by that. Might that might be your greatest manhood. Now, I got to tell you, you say imagine. Now, in my family, I don't imagine. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what, you know what Sugar Hill Gang said? You know, when his whole name across his chest, he may be able to fly all through the night, but can he rock a party to the early light? Anyway, that's a little uh, yeah. rapper's delight there. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, yeah, so, you know, you know, the fun part at night is taking the cape off. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Just right. messing around. Hey, that's a great man word, and I think that's why we wanted these guys to tell us their hero stories. We don't need guys to tell us, oh, Jim and Dad, you guys are awesome. Man, is awesome. Hey, we know that. And, and listen, we're not trying to be the hero in this story. We're wanting you to be the hero. So tell us stories about how God is changing your marriage and your family and your children. Right. We want to hear your stories. You don't need us to tell us how awesome we are. We know that we are awesome. <laughs> so make sure you send us. We want to celebrate you, and we want to celebrate your wins, man. So that's really cool. So, hey, I want to get in the meat of the podcast. This is uh, the 17th installment of our Full Capacity Man series. We took a little break a couple weeks ago to talk about our why and a couple different things around the uh, the holiday season here. But I want to talk to you about this, this 17th quality of being a man who lives at full capacity. This is called the faithful man. It comes out of 1 Timothy 3.2 where Paul says, an overseer then must be the husband of of one wife, and you can't help reading that without going back to Job 31.1, where Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. You know, and we've dealt with lust a lot on this show and pornography, you know, uh, all uh, board members and full-time male employees of our organization are required to have covenant eyes on all their smart devices. Uh, because we realize the temptation in all of this. So several years ago, some uh, a young man approached me and said, hey, I have a question for you. This is a young man I knew very well, and he said, hey, what's your number? I said, well, what? what huh? What are you talking about, my number? Like, uh, are you talking about the 100-foot-long banana split we did, that number? Are you talking about the 50-gallon milkshake we did? This is when I was a youth pastor. What number are you? Are you talking about the you know 100 kids that were there last night at high school group? What, what are you talking about? And he said, no, 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 no. How many women have you had sex with? And I got really serious. That's a that's a heavy question. And I held up one finger, and Dale, you'd be proud to know it was not the middle finger. Oh. It was the index finger. And I said, since I have been a devoted follower of Jesus, I have been with one woman. Her name is Shanna. Shanna is the only woman I have touched since I've given my life to trot Christ. Now realize guys, I was a college football athlete. I was I looked I mean I I mean, you know, I was looking good. And for 3 years I prayed for Shanna, did not know who she was, never met her, and I was uh now I'm not going to say sexually pure. I would just say I've never even held hands with another woman besides my wife since I gave my life to Jesus. So that is my number, number 1. That is the only number that matters. And so, you know, we live in a world, guys, uh, we tend to get very uh, egocentric in our world. So we look at our world and we go, oh man, we've got the internet, we've got, you know, all these things, pornography. This is the worst moral time in the history of the world. It doesn't get any worse than this. And I'm like, dude, you are totally wrong. You are living in some kind of weird little microcosm fish, little you know this little bowl. If you look at the history of the world, uh, 
this is nowhere near the worst time in history sexually. If we just go back to the days that Jesus was walking the planet, that may have been one of the that may have been the worst time in history. Let me let me tell you about Christianity. Christianity has changed the world, not only with our Savior Jesus, but listen, Christianity stormed the world stage in one of the vilest, most sexual times in the history of the world. But William Barclay, the commentator William Barclay wrote this. He said, It has been said that the only totally new virtue which Christianity brought into this world was chastity. I hope you hear that, guys. That is the gift that Christianity offered to this world. In many ways, the ancient world was in a state of moral chaos. The very fact that moderns view pornography, adultery, and sex outside of marriage as sinful sinful is because of Christianity. It's Christianity that says all this. This is not the case in the Greco-Roman world. The Greco-Roman world did not look at sexuality that way. It was a world in which even men in the highest places in society were brutally, blatantly, publicly immoral. We just have to understand that, you know, when Bill Clinton is saying, I did not have sex with that woman, that would have that would have not even been an issue back then. That would have been assumed he was having sex with multiple women. It would have been assumed. So when the fledgling Christian church came into existence, it had to demonstrate chastity, stability, and the sanctity in the Christian home. That is the gift that Christianity brought in this world. It brought monogamy and faithfulness into the family. It was the most liberating thing the women in the history of the world had ever seen. I wish our women would understand. You know, you got all these stupid garbage critical race theory saying, oh, the white man is the oppressor, the Christian white man. No, the Christian man is the one who is freeing. You know, we're the ones that freed women. You know, it, it's just insane how people, I'm going off on a soapbox, and I don't want to do that. No matter what ignorant educators and their hidden agendas teach, Christianity is the single most freeing thing in the history of the world to happen to women. Even the Emperor Augustus, around 63 BC, 63 to 14 AD, he said, if we could do without wives, we would be rid of a nuisance. But since nature has decreed that can neither we can neither live comfortably with them nor at all without them, we must look rather to our permanent interests than passing pleasures. In other words, we need to have something to have sex with, and women are there, and so we'll tolerate them to have sex. I mean, this is the mentality back in this time. I mean, can you believe it? Have you heard the phrase, you can't live with them, you can't live without them? That's where it came from. It came from Emperor Augustus. So according to Roman law, guys, listen, this is the time of Jesus. A wife had no rights, zero. A man could actually kill his wife if he caught her in adultery, but she could do nothing if he did the same thing. Polygamy and adultery were so common that Seneca stated bluntly, only the ugly are loyal. (laughs) Can you believe this? Can you believe if this was said today? I mean, can you believe that? Uh, Anyway, uh, it it isn't much better for Jewish women. You might say, well, the Jewish women, it was different. Oh, really? Guys, listen, Josephus, a first century Jewish historian, he's famously known even today. He wrote this, by ancestral custom, a man can live with more than one wife. With us Jews, it is lawful for a husband to dissolve a marriage, but a wife... 
if she departs from her husband, cannot marry another unless her former husband put her away. This is in the antiquities of the Jews. This is documented. This is a Jewish historian saying this. Christianity was a radical shift to a biblical view, God's view of marriage based on Genesis 2.24. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. This was radical, guys. I'm building a case here for the faithful man. But the Greco-Roman laissez-faire view of women and marriage lingered in the church. Venus was its the Roman goddess of love and beauty and the main deity of Corinth. And in her temple, which was the most magnificent temple in the city of Corinth, they had a thousand priestesses who were nothing more than temple prostitutes. And when a dude told his wife, I'm going to worship in the church, she knew he was going to go have sex with one of those priestesses. This is normal. It's so normal that in 1 Corinthians, Paul is rebuking new Christian men for continuing this practice. So he's, it's bringing chastity and f- monogamy and faithfulness into the marriage core. Can you imagine? I'm hey, honey, I'm going up to the temple to to worship with one of the priestesses. Man, that's pastoral care. Yeah, to an nth degree. Golly. Anyway, um, and they had to pay for it, but apparently it was spiritual, so it was okay. You know, um, it was common for married Christian men to have their cake and eat it too. And that's why Paul spoke against it in 1 Corinthians 6, 13 to 20. You guys can look that up yourself. And you know, sadly, Dale, we aren't too far from that today. As false doctrines, these these false doctrines of of living together outside of marriage. You know, if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now and you are calling yourself a Christian and you're living with your girlfriend and you're not married, shame on you. You're you're supposed to protect mm-hmm. that woman, but you're parading her around in the church like a prostitute. You need to get on your knees, ask her to forgive you, and then propose to her. Get married to that woman. I'm so sick of this weak sauce Christian men thing that says, oh, I I can't wait to have sex before marriage. Hey, man, I did. I did. I waited three years. We do it all the time. People who love Jesus and want obedience to Scripture, they will wait until they're married. So don't blame your lack of self-control on anything the Bible is telling. So stop being weak sauce. In the context of history, guys, and our contemporary world, when we talk about the full-capacity man being faithful, here's what we mean. Ralph Earl writes this. Most commentators agree it means monogamy, only one wife at a time, and the overseer must be completely faithful to his wife. He must be a loyal husband, preserving the marriage in all its purity, according to Hebrews 13.4, which Dale, you know, says, marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. The the apostolic canons described it this way, quote, he who is involved in two marriages, including being divorced, that's divorce is a, a marriage, So he who is involved in two marriages after his baptism, or he who has taken a concubine, which is an extramarital affair, cannot be a bishop. Mm. So chew on that. I always tell people this. Dale, do you know what the lightest thing in the world is? Do you know? (laughs) I do not. It's the penis. Uh Oh. Do you know why? Because you can lift it with just a thought. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, guys, we have to operate and understand that. And the biggest sex organ in the body is the brain. 
you know, and I, and I, guys, this, I know I tell that stupid joke, but it's, it, I believe that Jesus in Matthew 27, 30, he said, you, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so guys, we have to understand that this 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 word for lust that Jesus uses is epithemia, which is a strong craving or desire for something or someone. It is much more than looking and then looking away. It is much deeper, though it's only used 29 times in the Bible. A common theme is seen in each of the 29 cases. And here it is, guys. Listen, the word is never, ever, ever used in a positive context. It is always seen in negative light, especially for a strong desire that is negative and forbidden, like sex outside of marriage. In the measure of a man, Gene Getz writes this, Lust for her means not only desire a woman in an illicit sexual relationship, but also to think think in terms of how to cause it to happen. That's what we're talking about. So guys, when we talk about being a faithful man, we are talking about you building guardrails around your wife, whether you're single or married. As a single man, I built guardrails around Shanna for three years. I didn't even know it, but I realized that I was going to save myself for marriage and experience what I call second-time virginity, which was, okay, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, and when I married my wife and we made love for the first time, it was like I had never touched a woman. It was scary, man, <laughs> and it was over real fast. <laughs> you know. And so it was one of those things. So I built guardrails around her. So, guys, here are some guardrails that we need to build on our wives. I've written about this numerous times in Strong Men, Dangerous Times, uh, in our Strong Men Study Series. It's been on podcasts. Guys, here are 10 guardrails to save your marriage, to be a man who is faithful. Number one, never develop an emotional connection to the person of the opposite sex, period. Guardrail number two, never be alone with a person of the opposite sex unless at work with an open door or window, period. Guardrail number three, never engage in any negative talk about your spouse with a person of the opposite sex. Frame your wife positively around women. Do not open the door for another woman to think she has a shot at you. Guardrail number four, never compliment a person of the opposite sex in a way that would elicit an emotional response. Oh, your hair looks beautiful. Oh, you're so pretty today. Oh, that dress fits your body just perfectly. Don't ever, ever, ever say those things. Guardrail number five, never have a counseling or mentoring relationship with a person of the opposite sex. Why a, guy, why a pastor would do that is insane. Any pastor that does that has strategically opened the door for him to have an affair with that gal. I believe it's a strategy. Yep. I believe it's predatory. So there is no reason for a pastor or any man to ever counsel or mentor a female. Ever, 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 ever. Even if you're single. Ever. Especially Just don't do it. Guardrail number six. Never make physical contact in a non-casual way or place with a person of opposite sex. Don't put your hand on her shoulder as you're walking by the room. Don't give her a full frontal hug. If you can feel her chest on a hug, that is a guardrail breach. Don't ever touch a woman in a way, whether you're single or married. Right? Right. Guardrail seven, never make foul, rude, or coarse sexual comments, especially to a person of the opposite sex. Don't don't joke around with girls. That was actually a strategy I used as a single guy. 
to to see if I had an open door. I would make a little crude joke or say a little crude thing, and if she smiled, I'm like, okay, I got her. So don't do that, guys. I know what you're thinking here, and you're thinking with the wrong brain. So okay, guardrail number eight: never give a gift card or card or a gift or anything to a person of the opposite sex that is only for you from you. Every time I do that, I put down we. We, 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 and they realize it's me, it's the organization, it's my wife and I, it's not just me. That's super negative. Number nine, never have non-business related communication, whether online or face-to-face, with a person of the opposite sex. You just don't need to talk to other women. You just don't need to do it casually. I mean, the, the only woman I need to ever talk to casually is my wife. Everybody else should be a business related conversation. Period. I mean, I don't understand when men go, oh, wait, that's my, she's my friend. Bro, listen, when you get married, you have no girlfriends anymore. Unless she's attached to one of your buddies, you have no standalone girlfriends. It's just gone. That's not, you can't do that anymore. You are committed to one woman and that's your life now. So your girlfriends, and I know some of you guys might have a little disruption there, but I, that's the way it is. If you, what's more important, your wife? Or your buddy. Unless your, your buddy. wife is in that chat. Well, I'm just talking about, hey, I just went out, me and my my buddy from high school, Susie, went out and had ice cream. Yeah. No, dude, you're married. No. There's no Susie girl uh, buddy anymore. Mm-mm. That girl has um, a vajayjay, and she's got chest, the boobs, and <laughs> you stay away from that stuff. My The guy that led me to the Lord, Gary McCusker, who's probably listening to this right now, um, used to say and still does, a pair of boobs can pull a man farther than a pair of oxen ever can. And man, I'll tell you what, I live by that stuff. So, And the final guardrail, guys, is this. Never assume your spouse is living by your standards. Stay engaged with your wife, guys. So, hey, man, I, I hope this helps you to be a faithful man so that that woman that you marry, you know, the Bible says, may her breasts satisfy you always. And I can say after 30 years... The Bible is true. The Bible is true. Dale, what's next, man? Drive us home. Yeah, man, head on over to our website at meninthearena.org and pick up your free copy of Jim's book. Tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters. And no matter where you live, sign up to join one of our many virtual teams by clicking on Join Our Program. Until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.